want to continue uh, in this devastating teaching that I'm doing uh, today, house cleaning. Uh, how many need to go home and clean some things up in your house? Anybody? I mean, uh, anybody, how many love house cleaning? Is there anybody strange like that? A few strange folk. Look at that. I love house cleaning. Okay. Uh, so uh, I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, sometimes just the whole idea is uh, a little overwhelming because things get stacked up. And sometimes you, you think your house is clean and then you start looking on shelves. Come on. Amen. How many know there are some places that you avoid Amen. baseboards? Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Top, the picture frames. Come on. Picture frames. That top. Yeah. I got an amen right back there. All right. You just avoid. But it stacks up. Am I right? It stacks up. Uh, so uh, the reason, the, the, the position we have on this is... Is after Easter. And I tell you, it felt like Easter Sunday this morning to me. Anybody else? They just okay. Yeah, it did. It felt like Easter on me. So, uh, but Easter is also the celebration of Passover. Jesus Christ is our Passover Lamb, right? We bring Him into our life. He died on the cross so that death would pass over us. So, with that understanding, we celebrate Him as the Passover. Uh, when John the Baptist saw Jesus. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus walked into Jerusalem at the triumphant entry, the, the shout was, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They took him to the hill and they crucified him there at Golgotha. He clearly is indicative. He, no, he clearly is our Passover lamb. So uh, for, for those of you who have Jewish ancestry or you understand the feast of Passover, you know that it is followed swiftly with the festival of unleavened bread. Uh, in which all of the bread is taken out of your house, everything that is leavened, all of the leaven is removed, the yeast is removed. And I taught you this, I won't go heavily into this today, but yeast, remember, yeast, yeast is a fungus, if you did not know, it's a fungus. Uh, you put it into the flour in order that it will feed upon the sugar, and then as it feeds, it puffs up the flour, and the, the gluten, the elasticity of it causes it to contain and, and create pockets until finally you have this beautiful cake. But the longer it stays in the oven, in the warm, it multiplies and eats. But then when it gets to a certain level, it all dies. Amen? It dies. However, it's left with something that has been puffed up. And, and then in the New Testament, the, the message of unleavened bread speaks to us about those things that are in our lives that need to be removed. Amen? There are things that are in our life that needs to be removed. And it's interesting also that we're talking Corinthians. Corinth is a city, but Corinth is also a church. So this is a message to the church, amen? It's a message to the church. We, uh, you know, we, we look at ourselves and we say, you know, uh, I'm fine the way I am, but you probably didn't read the New Testament. Because the New Testament is cleaning us and purifying us and perfecting us, making us holy, not only through the blood of Jesus, but through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. So we look at this teaching in 1 Corinthians 5.8, where Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he says, Let us, therefore, celebrate the festival. Everybody shout, celebrate the festival. Celebrate the festival. So you, you need to embrace this celebration because there are celebrations that you love and that you don't love, all right? Like you might really love Christmas, but you're not a major fan of Halloween, okay? Now, you look at those two and you say, why? You know, for me, Halloween's just a mess, even though we win a lot of people through it. It's a mess. I mean, there's food and stuff everywhere and candy and people eating the wrong things. and just, but... That, you know, I figure they're walking down the street. I'll preach Jesus to them. That's how I feel. So, uh, 
But uh, the, 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 the feast, he says, celebrate the festival. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. And, and I, I want you to get this. The celebration of the, un, uh, of, of the festival of unleavened bread is uh, a purging of your home of anything that has yeast, anything that has leaven in it. So it is a cleaning. So part of the celebration was to go through the house and clean the house completely. But it's also to remove those things that have been leavened already. So there's some things that have been leavened that you just don't need to partake in. And the direction is this. Look into your life and consider those things that cause us to be puffed up. And let's get rid of that mess. Somebody shout amen. amen. Let's get rid of those things that cause us to be puffed up. So the leaven here in 1 Corinthians 5 and 8, he says... Not with the, let's not celebrate with the old leaven. Let's not just keep doing the same old thing and expect different results. Yeah. Yeah. He says, but let's get rid of the leaven of malice and evil. The leaven of malice and evil. That's how we celebrate it, by removing the leaven of malice and evil. And putting in the leaven, uh, the unleavened bread, which now is sincere and, and truthful. So the leaven of malice and evil is compared to the leaven of security and truth. You, you can hear what Paul is saying here because what he's talking about is attitude. Somebody shout attitude. attitude. Talk about attitude. Not, not, not just your personality, but an attitude. He's saying in your life, what is your demeanor? What is your mood? What is your posture? What is your temperament? What is your disposition? Come on. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, your attitude. Uh, you know, uh, it's not about the car that you're driving. It's about the way you're driving the car. Jesus, Jesus. And he gives us these two uh, uh, alternative positions, malice and evil, meaning the willingness to inflict pain. Oh, I'll hurt you. Yeah, I'll hurt you. Yes, I will. Did you see that? I got that, that willingness. Don't be messing with me. Don't mess with the willingness to inflict pain, just uh, to be painful, to be wicked, deceptive, degenerative in your influence, just generally hateful, malice and evil, negative. Somebody say negative. negative. All right. Or it, what he's comparing it to, sincerity and truth, clarity, clearness, godly, yeah. loving, yeah. hopeful, without deception, openness. Here's another scripture that speaks of the impact of your attitude in Galatians 5 and 9. Paul writes to the church at Galatia, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Got any bakers in the room? Knows what I'm saying. Doesn't take much. I remember mama cooking. She'd take a little bit, drop it in, and the whole cake. I didn't understand. Got to put some baking powder into it. If you miss it, you're just going to have flat, your flat cakes, right? But if you put it in, you're going to have this big puffy cake that just looks amazing. Now, you, when I say a little leaven, uh, I, I want you to say, I want you to understand, you might have some really great things to say, but the way you roll your eyes when you say it, or the demeaning way you spoke it, or the tone of your voice reveals more than what you are saying to me. The tone of your voice, the, your, your, your characteristics reveal malice and evil rather than sincerity and truth. Or you may not know exactly what to say. 
But your presence was a blessing. And your attitude was grateful. And you lead with a beautiful heart rather than an attitude of entitlement. You can, you can fill any space with grace or you can fill it with groans. So here's what the Lord is saying today. Check your attitude. Come on. You said it before. Come on. Say it right now. Go ahead. Check your attitude. Need to check your attitude. How many ever said that to your kids before? You need to check your attitude. You need to check your attitude. How many have looked at yourself in the mirror before and said, I need to. No, it's about others. It's not about me. <laughs> Philippians 2, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have this attitude. Have the same attitude. Have the same deme demeanor, the same temperament, the same disposition that was also in Christ Jesus. Ha, 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 again, check your attitude. Here's the reality. We need this message. We need it. Because the correct godly attitude, a change in your attitude could change your life. It could change your marriage. It could change your home. It could change your future. The right attitude could change your job, your relationships, your business, your family circle, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your parents. Amen? It could change. If we could change your attitude, maybe we could get a conversation going between you and your wife. Maybe if you would change your attitude, maybe everything wouldn't be upside down and backwards in a mess at your place of employment. If we could change your attitude, maybe you and your mama could finally have a conversation. Bad attitude. A bad attitude is like body odor. <laughs> Leaves a stench in the room. They're gone for hours. You still want to light a candle. Cause an evil attitude is like having a contagious sickness. And you, you might have something good to say, but people just don't want to shake your hand. They just don't want to be around you. And the only people that do want to be around you are people that have the same sickness that you have. Come on, negativity. An evil attitude. How many like eggs? Anybody like eggs? Anybody like eggs? Potatoes? I want you to know you don't like eggs. You don't. Okay, I'm telling you, you don't like eggs because if you liked eggs, you would just break them open and eat them. You don't. Nobody likes eggs raw. Am I right? You want them to have a little spice. You want a little salt, a little pepper, a little hot sauce, anybody? Uh, some, for me, you know, some biscuits and gravy to go with them. And, I mean, it just makes them, somebody praise God for eggs right now. Okay, but you can nasty those eggs up. Anybody had some eggs or something and thought, what did they put in this? And you just ah, can't eat it because they put the wrong stuff in your eggs. You just don't have a taste. I mean, like potatoes. No, you don't. You don't like potatoes. You like French fries. Or you like hash browns. Am I right? I like, you like scallop potatoes with some cheese. You like a baked potato with some sour cream, some onions, some chives, a little bacon. Oh, hallelujah. Sprinkle all over the top of it. Come on. One. I'm saying attitude makes a difference. Attitude is the spice that goes on it. That's what I'm saying. Ain't, ain't nobody who wants to eat your baked potato covered in cockroaches and boogers, though. Ain't nobody. That's right. I said it. I said it because our attitude looks like that, smells bad, tastes bad, creeps us out sometimes. You say, why don't anybody want to spend time with me? Well, why don't you take a really close look at what's going on in the attitude? I have to confess, I did earlier, I was in my office and anybody been just sitting and working and something happened in your stomach? Anybody ever had that? And I slipped into the hospitality room, which is connected to my office and looked in the refrigerator to see if God wanted to bless me. And I saw some of these little brownies sitting in there, just little round brownies. And oh, praise God, little round brownies and just looked like what I wanted to eat. And I picked up one, and I nibbled on it, but it was in the refrigerator. 
Who refrigerates brownies? Why do you refrigerate brownies? Brownies don't need to be in the refrigerator. I love my hospitality team. I know they're keeping them, but, but uh, I looked at that brownie and I thought, I really love brownies. How many know I love chocolate? I love, if you know me, you know I do. I'm telling you, in case you want to cook or something, I, I love brownies. Picnic's coming up. And uh, so I, was, uh, I took those brownies. There was a microwave on top, and I popped them in there for about 20 seconds, and I'm telling you, they were ready for ice cream. They just melted. Somebody, praise God, just melted in my mouth. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you would just warm up your conversation, if you would just warm up your attitude a little bit, if you would say, Holy Spirit, come and deal with the reality of what I'm saying and the way that I'm saying it. Let me look at my temperament, my disposition, my hatefulness. Let me take a look at this. Then some, suddenly that which had been cold and icy and nobody wanted to have anything to do with, you know, your marriage, your family, your home, your children. Why, can't, why won't my children talk to me? Because you told them to check their attitude, but maybe you haven't checked your own. Why did I say that? That wasn't anywhere. <laughs> I'll tell you why, though. It's what's happening in our culture, and we're buying into it. Believers are losing their spiritual poise in a nation that has lost its moral compass. And we're better than this. Come on, brothers and sisters. Your family's falling apart because you can't talk without yelling. You're losing your kids. You're losing your parents. You're losing your education. You're losing your job. You're losing the favor of the Lord because you can't check your attitude. And God brought you by this house in order to heal your home and heal your family by getting you to check your attitude. Listen to the words of Paul in Romans chapter 12. He starts by saying, Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service. And then he says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. Say it. Good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I'm looking at this and a good word study on, on that word conformed is where we get our, uh, the, the, the same word that we get our word for schematic. Anybody know what a schematic is? I learned about this years ago when I had a 1983 Thunderbird. It was pretty. It was so pretty until I wrecked it twice. It was so pretty. And, uh, but uh, eventually it died. I didn't know what was wrong with it. But I had a friend. Uh, he's on to be with the Lord now. But I had a good buddy. His name was Tommy Hudson. I don't know. Anybody remember Tommy? Russ, you probably remember Tommy. But Tommy had given his life to the Lord. And a great brother. I love him so much. And I knew he was a mechanic because he worked on... Well, he told me he was a mechanic, and if there's everything I, anything I needed, just give him a call. So I called Tommy, and he came over, and he lifted the hood of my car, and he took a rag, and he wiped off something that I had never looked at before. It was like a schematic that was under the hood, and he looked at it for a minute, and then he reached over and adjusted a few wires, and he said, Pastor, go start it up, and it started up and ran like a top, and I thought, that guy is brilliant. My problem is I did not realize that there was a schematic that I could look at. Anybody know what I'm saying? And, and here's what scripture is saying to us. We need to look at the schematic of God. How is Jesus? What is the attitude that God wants us to have? And then tune ourselves up. It's really very much. If you want to know about this, it's like the Lord's Prayer. How many know the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven, how would be thy name? How come you won't pay attention to me, God? Why don't you just, why don't you come over here and do what I tell you to do? No, that's, I'm sorry. That's the way we pray the prayer, okay? 
But if you listen to the Lord's prayer, it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Anybody hear the attitude of it? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us, uh, deliver us from evil. Anybody hear the heart that we go to the Father with? Anybody know that? And, and he's saying, that's how you go to the Father. And you know, you also ought to honor your parents right here on the planet. And scripture actually says, why is it that you won't honor your earthly parents, but you say you honor your heavenly father? If you can't honor your father who you can't see, how are you going to honor the father that you don't see? It's a temperament. It's an attitude. Come on. L- listen, your attitude will bring the blessing or destruction into your life. Do you have a godly attitude? Uh, John Maxwell. Anybody heard of John Maxwell? Man, I love John Maxwell. I've been listening and reading his stuff for years and years. John Maxwell uh, wrote a book called The Winning Attitude. And he says this about attitude. He says, attitude is the advanced man of your true selves. Your attitude goes before you. Its roots are inward, but its fruits are outward. It is our best friend or our worst enemy. It is more honest and more consistent than our words. It is the thing that draws people to us or repels them. I heard on the news the other day that this generation is losing its memory or losing its understanding of the, the Holocaust. Uh, that Generation Z, the next, it's like, oh yeah, there was one, but it's not the impact. Now, uh, how many know, how many remember six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust? And the Nazis, under the leadership of Hitler, Uh, exterminated them. It wasn't they were just shot, even though that happened. But many of them were in extermination camps where they put women and children and and men, they just put families into gas chambers and gassed them. Or they would stand them up and just shoot them and bulldoze them over into a pit. I mean, how horrendous is that? But to live through that, I I can remember uh, as a young uh, man growing up reading uh, Corey Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place, and discovering what it must have been like to live through that particular uh, situation. There uh, is uh, a man by the name of Viktor Frankl. Uh, Viktor Frankl was actually in Auschwitz, and uh, his mother was killed. The Nazis killed his wife. The Nazis uh, killed his brother. Uh, all in an extermination camp. Only his sister survived, only he and his sister, and uh, of, of all of his immediate family. And they put him in forced labor in Auschwitz. And in the midst of his circumstances, which could not have been worse, he said, I choose to suffer with dignity regardless of what the Nazis do to me. I will never hate one of them regardless of what they do, regardless of whether they killed my mother and my brother and my wife and, and, and put me to forced labor and exterminate six million of my fellow Jews, I choose to suffer with dignity, and I will not hate them. Uh, You see, they may have defeated him physically, but they never defeated him spiritually. Uh, He was eventually set free from uh, Auschwitz at the end of the war, war, and uh, became uh, a motivational speaker and traveled He died in 1997, but this is one of his quotes that I love. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. Anybody love that? So how many know 
Uh, you can't force me to hate you. Come on, does anybody agree with that? You can't force me to hate you. You can't, you can't do that. And I choose, no matter what you do, I choose to love you anyway. I choose to forgive you anyway. Another quote of, him, of, of, of Victor is this. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. You love that? There is a space whenever, whenever something happens. And in that space, I have a choice. Which brings me to a few things that I want to say to you regarding attitude. Number one, we choose our attitude. We choose our attitude. Say it. Write it down. We choose our attitude. Ephesians 4.23, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, in my pastoral ministry, over the many years that I have pastored, I have met and heard the stories of hundreds of people. Broken people, hurting people, wounded people, people that had been abandoned, people that had been hurt, wounded by rejection, isolated. I met them uh, uh, hurting. I met them angry. I met them... Uh, I've met them violent. I I have met them addicted. I I have met them under the control of darkness. But I've also seen other things happen. And just so you know, if you would like me to introduce them, just look around you because many of those people are sitting in this room right now. They were hurt. They were wounded. They were broken. Their hearts were a mess. I want you to know they have been set free by the power of Jesus Christ. And there were times when they wouldn't have sat down next to a person like you. That's right. They would not. But now their attitudes have been changed because they put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. They're watching your children. They opened the door for you when you walked in. They handed you a piece of paper and said, welcome to freedom. Come on. They're not what they used to be because they chose Jesus. We did not all have a good night's sleep last night. And we did not all win the lottery last week. We make a choice today, no matter what happened in our yesterday, to love and serve and know and to be like God in holiness and righteousness. And so I'm telling you again, our attitudes are not caused. They are chosen. I'm getting a lot of amens. Our attitudes are not caused. They are chosen. How many remember Adam and Eve? What caused their attitude? They walked with God. Hey, God, let's take a walk. They walked with God. But they got an attitude over a piece of fruit. You say, well, the enemy caused it. No, no. They made their own choice. Somebody say amen. Then on the other hand, have you ever heard of a man by the name of Paul? Oh, yeah, we've been reading a lot of his writings. He and a buddy named Saul in Acts chapter 16, they had been beaten, they had been falsely accused, they had been thrown in the inner part of a prison cell, and at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Somebody thank God for worship in the midst of pain, worship in the midst of difficulty. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And also remember this, people are listening. People are listening. Peter wrote about his choice in 1 Peter chapter 4 and 12. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Somebody shout, it's a choice. It's a choice. In fact, happiness is a choice. 
I said happiness is a choice. Second Corinthians 12 and 10. That is why for Christ's sake... I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You're getting on my last nerve, baby girl. You're getting on. No, 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 no. It's a choice. You, how many know you can overcome that last nerve? Does anybody know that? You really can. You do not have to destroy your family because you made a choice for anger. All right. God rewards our good attitudes. James 4 and 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God loves proud people. Somebody thank God he loves proud people. You understand this? He loves proud people. And, and I've, heard you say, I've heard you say that before. Haven't you said it before? God loves me just like I am. That's true, but he's not going to bless you. Right? In fact, he resists the proud. I mean, he loves you. How many know God loved us enough that even when we were sinners, Christ died for us? We were broken. We were messed up. He loved us. Say, I know God loves me. Don't be pushing this on me, Pastor Rick. I know I got a little attitude, but God loves me. I know better. You know better than I am. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. But if you want to see the blessing of God, the reward of God in your life, then you would do well to walk in humility, right? I talked with my little brother on the phone the other day. I'm so proud of my, my, my little brother. I still call him my little brother no matter how old he is. Anybody got a little brother or sister like that? Still my baby brother no matter how old they are. Still my baby brother. Uh, so uh, he might be 47 now. So uh, even though he's still younger than me, uh, I'm just so proud of him. because he. And I called him because I, I wanted to tell him he just got a new job, got more money he's ever made before. He's going to be moving. They're looking for a new house. You know, he married, a, a, coming up on a wedding anniversary of two years, and uh, he's, they're in a blended family. He's got two sons out of that marriage that he just loves and adores, and he's been free, praise God, of alcohol, been free for the last three years now. He's been set free, and God's just been restoring him over and over, and when he didn't know how he passed the physical or not, he called me on the phone. He was telling me about the things he was going to have to do, and he did, and God blessed him, and God gave him a job, and Thursday was his first day, and I called him just to say, man, I'm so proud of you for what, but you know, he's thinking about God's calling upon his life and what he needs to do for the kingdom of God. He's not puffed up. It's like God saved him from death. Anybody like that? He resurrected you when life seemed to be over, so I don't have an 11 saying, I did this. God did all of this in my life. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Now, let me explain those who oppose uh, and, and the, the opposition and the resistance. is in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, and look at this word. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Look at somebody say, God's treating you like you're his family. How many have ever been treated like your family before? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure you want to be family like this. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. God never tests me. God never discipline. I'm, can I tell you, I've been whooped by Jesus before. Anybody else in the house? Come on, I'm old school. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Some of you weren't blessed in that way, but I was doubly blessed. So... Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? 
For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Can I get an amen there? Yeah. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Come on. God will discipline you. I said God will discipline you. Hebrews 12. Look at this. Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Have you ever read that scripture before? You know what it means. How many have ever had like that two or three year old who wanted some ice cream and you said no and they went, no. Anybody ever had that kid? Just like, oh. And what do you say? Oh, okay, I'll get you some ice cream. No, you don't. You say, you better, you better stand up right now. Come on. How many have ever told your kids to act right before? Anybody said, you need to act right so what you're saying is you want, me to, you want me to act right now? And I'm saying yes. Because if we can get a form of godliness, maybe we can pour godliness right into the form. Think about that. Think, think, think. And, and they're just down there all weak knee. You've got them by the arm and people are looking at you. And, they're, and you say something like, you know, it would be healthy for you. To stand up right now so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Did you know that was in? You didn't even know that was in the Bible until I just read it. Preach, Pastor Rick, preach that thing, preach that. You can almost hear this disciplining father standing. You better stand up. That, here's the other thing. Eye rolling. Eye rolling. I rolled my eyes at my daddy one time. And he rolled them right back to me. Eye rolling. Listen, some of you might say, well, look, I deal with this all the time with my kids. Folks, you need to deal with it. Because a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Just a little bit. You say, you know, kids are just dishonorable. Well, whose fault is that? Stop pointing at the next generation, for heaven's sake. Come on, it's on us. You got any moms and dads in the house right now? Kid talking back to you at the house, you ain't done nothing about it, and somehow you think the world's going to be better and they're going to change things. Yeah, for the worse. Listen, don't affirm those characteristics that are sending your children to hell. Did I just say that? I better preach. Somebody said that. Don't do that. And listen. Also, don't show it to them because they may just be acting like you. Jesus. And I'm telling you this, and it's crazy, but how many know that haughty, prideful spirit is dangerous? Anybody know that? It's dangerous. It'll destroy homes. Do you know why so many people don't come to church today? You want me to tell you why? Because they don't like authority. 
They know that there's a difference between what right and wrong. That's this whole sexual harassment discussion inside. Even though we're in a culture of relativism, at the same time, they know certain things are not right. That's just not right. We know what I'm saying. How do you know that in a world that says there's no such thing as right or wrong? Where do you get that? We know in that the world would be set free from a temperament, from an attitude of, of dishonor and disrespect and disloyalty. They rise up and be set free. Is that okay? Yes. All right. I'm not, I'm not asking for a vote right now. but Okay. Good. Somebody say good attitudes. We need a good attitude. Good attitude. Good attitudes. Good attitudes. Good attitudes pre- precede and predict success. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord again. Always. Again, I will say rejoice. I mean, know this. Let your reasonableness be made, be known to everyone. Your reasonableness. Somebody say, well, the Holy Spirit just... Needs to take this thing out of my mouth. He would if you would pay attention to him. Okay? Our flesh is so strong. That's why we need to say, come, Holy Spirit. You need to say that. Come, Holy Spirit. You're in the middle of a mess. How many have ever been in a mess before? And you could feel that flesh rising up. You say, Holy Spirit, I need you right now. Because, Jesus. <laughs> Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. If you've got an issue, take it to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I had, uh, years ago, they, there was a, a couple that I knew, a uh, great couple, amazing couple, uh, preacher of the gospel, and uh, uh, he uh, and his wife were killed in a plane crash. He was flying the plane, and she was in the passenger seat. He was traveling from one state to another state uh, because of uh, a ministry engagement. It was late, and uh, he was uh, he was uh, told by the by the uh, tower, uh, "You need to turn up. Your nose is going down." Uh, he was in a cloud cover. He was in bad weather. And he literally flew his plane with he and his wife in it directly into the ground. The hole was like five, six feet deep. And he and his wife, uh, L.D. and Margaret Hudson, the minister who bought this property and built this sanctuary. L.D. and Margaret. I loved L.D. I loved Margaret Hudson. Those were some of the, the, the goodest, can I say that? Some of the finest people I'd ever met. He had preached here. In fact, uh, just a month or so before he died, he had come here and preached for me. And uh, he, I remember him preaching. In fact, I've got the tape of it. I really I still have a cassette tape. <laughs> I've got the tape of it and where he says, I may never pass this way again. And if I don't, I want you to know about the love of Jesus. I loved him. But that story has always kind of haunted me. And uh, I don't know everything about him. I wasn't that close to him in ways that some were. But uh, I, I do know this. I do know this. That there, there must have been a problem. In fact, a good friend of mine told me this. He said, I knew LD so well, I'm, I could just tell you. They probably called from the flight tower and told him he was going down. And he said, I know exactly where I am. Anybody know anybody who would do that on occasion? So uh, even though he's a great man of God, at the same time, there was something he didn't look at. Have I got anybody that's ever flown an airplane in the house? Have you ever heard of an, an attitude indicator? Anybody ever heard of an attitude indicator? It's, it's actually one of those 
one, one of those uh, uh, things that's right on the panel. It's right on the panel. You've probably seen it, or a picture, I'm throwing a picture right now, where actually what it does is it shows whether your nose is up or your nose is down. It shows the way the wings are, whether or not you're moving one way or another. And the reason that the attitude indicator is there is just in case you get into a storm, you can look at the attitude indicator and you can correct whether your nose is up or down because sometimes you can be going down when you think you're going up. Will this preach to anybody in the room? You can be going right when you're really going left, but and, and the Holy Spirit has come into our lives Brothers, come on, Philippians 4 and 8, so that we can speak whatever is true and whatever is honorable and whatever is just and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely and whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Holy Spirit, you ought to say this, give me an attitude indicator. Let me know whether or not I'm about to crash and burn. Let me know when I'm destroying my marriage. Let me know when I'm hurting my children. Let me know when I'm not honoring my father or my mother. Wake me up. And let me pay attention to you and your word. You, you got to keep your, your steady in the storms. How many know that? Because it's one thing when everything's good and you're just sitting at home watching TV and drinking iced tea. But how many know there are times when the storm gets heavy? Wave at me if you know what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's heavy. So that's how Paul, look at how Paul completed this whole thing. Philippians 4 and 12. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. Do you know that? Do you know how to be brought low? And how to abound? In, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here's, here's, here's where he lives. I can do all things by myself because I'm so smart and educated. Everybody else just stupid. It's all around me. That's why I, everybody leave me alone. No, no. I can do all things through him. Another version, through him, through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, he's not leaving you alone in this. Listen, when you say, I'm going through a difficult time, pause, take a breath. Come on, come on. Hear that song, Exhale. Plum does that song on worship. I don't know, you ever heard that? Just everybody take a breath. And I say, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. This is tough right now. Don't, don't just go right into the battle with your husband or wife. Uh, come on. Take a breath. Come on. Come, Holy Spirit. Let me love even when I, it feels like I'll be hating right now. Come on. Let's be clear. God wants to bless you in all things. How many believe that? But an attitude of malice and evil will cause you to be in discipline rather than in victory. Ephesians 4. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to, be, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness. Now we know, how many know this is true? That's what we've been taught. You've heard this. And we know so many scriptures. You know, Jeremiah 29 is, Among them you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I'll be found by you, declares the, you. I will, I will, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. I'll bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So he will discipline you, but he will also bring you back. Have I read it? You got your pens out? I gave you pens, didn't I? Okay. Let's check some of those negative attitudes. You ready? Let's check some. You might need to check your attitude if negativity is your norm. Negativity. That's not going to work. If 
you complain every day. If complaining, if, you know, you're just, oh, I, don't, I don't even have to exhort on these. You know what it is. And I threw this in lack of respect for authority. Lack of respect for authority. How many know that that is toxic in our culture? Does anybody know that? Don't, don't have authority for it. Don't, don't, don't trust anyone. Don't take direction for it. You already know you've got to trust your gut. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, don't trust your gut. It will deceive you. Trust the word of God and the spirit of God. And then when he makes your heart whole, still trust him more than anything else. Listen, lack of respect for authority, quitting. I am not a fan of quitting. Anybody with me on this? I'm not a fan. I am not a fan. You know, your kids sign up for baseball and about two games into it, I don't want to quit. I'm saying, look, you signed up for this. You're going to fulfill this obligation. You might say, well, that's, that's not me, Pastor Rick. I just, you don't understand. I get really bad. I need you to just stop and listen to me right now. It's a negative attitude because they, they start, you, you teach them when they're young how to follow through and to complete the project. I didn't get amens. But everything is a battle. Everything. And then the, I don't care. Years ago, I had an elder pull me aside and say, I heard you say, I don't care a few times. I don't care. I do care, as a matter of fact. I don't even like the terms to fly out of my mouth. I don't care what you think. Yeah, I do. I really do. Or I wouldn't have said I don't care. I really do care. Stop lying. It isn't my fault. How many love that one? There's that transference. I mean, as soon as they start a conversation, we learn this as kids. It's not my fault. It's always somebody else. For this, a sense of entitlement. This world owes me everything. This world owes me. Come on. The Philippians 2.5. You want me to leave that up a minute? I'll leave that up. Some of you are writing it down. I'll just leave it up. Take pictures, whatever. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. That's our, that's, that's our example. Jesus. Hey, I'm God. I don't have to go to the cross. Or, no, no. I'm going to be obedient. James 4 and 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Read it with me. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Um, I'm done. Stand with me. I've been done a lot earlier, but I baptized all day. Somebody praise God for the baptisms today, all right? You know why I tell you that? You know why I just told you that? Because there's some people that are all negative. Man, I can't believe I'm still in church. Is he ever going to be quiet? Uh, which one was that? I would prefer to be loving, optimistic, devoted, humble, and confident in Christ. Anybody else want that? I would prefer to be loving. Say it. Loving, optimistic, devoted, humble. Confident in Christ. Okay. Uh, I was. Uh, I was just honor him. Say, come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. I'm not. I'm not talking out of school, folks. I have had a bad attitude before. I have. I've, you've probably seen it. Thank you for not calling me on it, I guess. I, I have this one moment in my life that uh, I remember so clearly. I was, I used to lead worship on a, in conferences. And I was in a conference setting 
there was probably 1,500, a couple thousand people there, and I was leading worship. I was several years younger than I am right now. <laughs> and I had a great band behind me. I had some of the, you know, hand-selected worship leaders from all around the state, and they were so good. My band was, I mean, it was top-notch. And I was leading new songs, you know, probably Ron Canoli songs or something like that. Anyway, they were new then, okay, and uh, leading some music, and people were dancing, and the altars were filled, and it was like that worship past a moment, you know. I mean, it's just happening, you know. The Holy Spirit was there. He's doing good stuff doing really, really good stuff, and I was just grateful to be a part of it, and, and then uh, a good brother of mine, a dear, dear friend of mine, I don't, anybody have those friends that you may not have talked to in the last two years, but I could call them on the phone right now, anybody got those friends, okay, so his name's Bill, Bill Leonard, uh, Bill Leonard uh, is the director of pastoral care now, at the time he was pastoring just a church down the road in time, I think it was Marion, Illinois is where he's pastoring. Or, no, excuse me. It doesn't matter. Marion, Virginia, that's where he's singing. Is that right? Anyway, somewhere in Virginia. I digress. Bill walked up to me at the end of that worship service, put his arms around me, and said, Rick, that was, that was great. That was great, man. And he looked me in the face, and he said, stay humble. Stay humble. Now, Bill was a great singer himself, still is, but stay humble. And I thought to myself at the moment, man, that's good words. You know, he's a friend. I appreciated him saying that. And I started checking my heart and saying, I just want to make sure that whatever I do, God gets all the glory and all the praise for everything that I'm doing. But I didn't know that in just uh, within the next year, I would go through the biggest, toughest battle of my pastoral life. I had no idea. One that wouldn't just last a day, but would last years. And that I would be so attacked. Oh, dear God. Just thinking about it was so painful. But it was interesting that it was that particular moment that carried it, carried me through it. Does that make sense to anybody? Because there were moments that I wanted to hate. Anybody been there? There were moments that I wanted to be vindictive. There were moments that I wanted to, I just wanted to fight. And I wanted to do things that I knew were not in the word of God. But I, I kept hearing Bill looking me in the face and saying, stay humble. And so I forgave those who hurt me. And I blessed those who cursed me. Anybody hear me? I'm not talking out of school right now. I'm not. I haven't been attacked like you. I've been wounded like you. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, that bad attitude that you think is what everybody else deserves is separating you from the power and the presence and the love and the blessings and the great grace of Almighty God. Some of you, while I'm preaching, you know there's somebody you just got off the phone with yesterday. You just went ahead and gave him a piece of your mind because it was about time somebody did. And it wasn't Jesus. It was Satan. And God's saying, I love you. I want to bless you. Check your attitude. Check your attitude. No more malice. No more evil. Sincerity and truth. And I will bless you and I'll bless your family. Look, check your attitude. You want to manage your conflict with your, with your husband and your wife? Check your attitude. Be in a good enough relationship with your husband and your wife. You can look at each other and say, I really want to hear you, but could you check your attitude? Somebody say, I could never say that to my husband. 
I never say that to my wife. Come, Holy Spirit. You got my prayer candle? You've been praying together? You've been seeking the Lord? You see what I'm saying? Okay. Come on, let's welcome him here. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We thank you for what you've taught us. We know your word is great, powerful, and we welcome it into our lives for transformation. We want to be conformed. This scripture, this teaching, Lord, is a schematic. We're looking, dear Lord, at ways that we can be like you. We want to have an attitude like you, Lord Jesus. Come, come, Holy Spirit. Just bow your heads. Let's do a wave thing. This is the wave thing. You said, Pastor Rick, I really need healing in my attitude. It's, it's, it's a struggle. Just wave at me. I need, this was, it's my, if, if it was for anybody, it was for me. Just the wave thing, wave thing, wave thing, wave thing. And I get a lot of attitudes. I don't want to raise my hand. I know, get over your attitude. Raise your hand. Okay. There you go. There you go. See, that didn't hurt too bad. You can put your hand down now. And some of you may be struggling in your marriage and your family, or you're struggling with your children and you need prayer. Some of you need healing in your life. And I want to pray for you and pray with you. If some of you want to come and stand up front for prayer now, you're welcome to come up and stand now, okay? If you'd like to come and stand here with me, I'll pray with you now. My prayer workers will help me in this as well. My prayer workers come. I love you guys. Me too. Bring your big old attitude coming right on up front. Look at you. I love you. I love you. I love you guys. Man, sometimes I preach and I just want to go get saved. <laughs> and I preach the sermon. Come on, squeeze on up here. Squeeze on up. Squeeze on up. Squeeze on up. Praise God. Hi, beautiful. How you doing? It's a good day today, huh? It's a good day. We're going to minister to some folks here. My, uh, got any more prayer team? Just, more prayer team, just kind of work your way down this way. We'll just work your way down. We're going we're gonna to anoint and pray. Listen, let's all bow our heads for a moment. Everybody bow your heads. Holy Spirit, reveal to us those things that we need healed in. For some of us, we need to get saved. So let's pray that. Say, Father, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for me and he rose again. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill me. I give my heart to you completely. I dedicate my life to you. Come, live inside of me. Save me, Jesus. Jesus says he will. He will. If you believe in Jesus, you confess him and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what he says. That's what the word of God says. Give your life to Jesus. Okay, those of you that are all around the room, I want you now to say this. Say, Lord Jesus, reveal to me those areas about myself that I need to know about. Cleanse me of the leaven of a bad attitude. Cleanse my home of it. Begin with me. In Jesus' name. Now let the Holy Spirit reveal some of those things to you. Some of the negativity. Some of the carelessness. Let Him reveal that to you. Just thank Him as He does it. Don't, don't fight Him with it. Just thank Him. Just thank Him. Just thank Him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming and helping me. Now we're going to pray with these that are here up front, but I want all of you, would you join hands, three or four or five people, just join hands and just confess some things and pray for one another, ready, turn and join with a few people and just pray for one another, and at the conclusion of the service, I'm going to meet people in the welcome center, 
We love you all so very much. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Take your time in praying with one another. I love you. My new member is going to meet me for a luncheon in a few moments. I know. I love you all. Pray for one another. Be this rest of your